Welcome to Biz Banter, where we cover all the buzz and biz. I'm your host, Sage. Let's get into it. Chances are that in your lifetime, you've read a mystery book, watched a crime movie or TV show, listened to a true crime podcast, or paid to have gotten scared at a haunted house. But what's our obsession with mysteries? Why are they so intriguing? Maybe we all have a detective deep within us that wants to get our CSI on. If that's the case with you, you're going to love this episode. Our guest in this episode, Ryan Hogan, is the co-founder and CEO of Hunt a Killer, an innovative gaming company that delivers clues, items, and correspondence to your doorstep that creates an interactive and immersive story for its members. Ryan launched Hunt a Killer with his childhood friend by creating a live event in 2016 where they transformed a 200-acre campground into a lifelike crime scene, asking attendees to solve the mystery. Expanding this idea, they worked with a team of world-class writers, editors, game designers, and graphic artists to create their Hunt a Killer subscription boxes. Since 2016, Hunt a Killer has continued to expand its portfolio of games, both with subscription boxes and all-in-one experiences with cases revolving around sci-fi, horror, and mystery. In 2020, Hunt a Killer received the honor of ranking number six on Inc. Magazine's 5,000 list of fastest-growing privately held companies in the U.S. To date, Hunt a Killer has shipped over 2 million episodes, surpassed 100,000 subscribers, and has doubled revenue year over year. So what is this murder mystery game that is all the rave right now? And how did an officer in the Navy come up with something so captivating that it saw three-year revenue growth over 20,000%? You'll be hearing all about it from the mastermind behind Hunt a Killer in this episode. Let's get into it. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. There's so much to talk about. I think this is going to be one of the most fun episodes. It's all about your journey as an entrepreneur and also about Hunt a Killer, which might scare some people away when they hear that, but we're going to explain it all. But before we get into that, I'm going to put you on the spot right away and we're going to play a little game. So we're going to do some true or false. I have assumptions about entrepreneurs. If you agree with those assumptions, you'll say true. And if you disagree, you'll say false. Let's do it. So the first one is entrepreneurs are born, not made. Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship, surely, you know, um, dealing with adversity and, and having thick skin is, is something you might be born with. Um, but I, I mean, we're all, we're all influenced um you know by our upbringings and by those that are close around us and you know for for my journey my dad's an entrepreneur my my uh uncle's an entrepreneur i've got a couple cousin entrepreneurs so like you know i was exposed to this stuff very early on um so no i, I don't think you just you come out of the the womb and, and say to yourself i'm an entrepreneur yep i've gotten that answer plenty so i can see where you're coming from so the next assumption we have is all you need to be an entrepreneur is a good idea false everybody's got good ideas there are a thousand good ideas in probably a single brain um no entrepreneurship is not about about good ideas you, you you need to execute yep execution is key all right so next starting a business guarantees freedom Oh, of course. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It guarantees that you're going to be working 18 hours a day to get it off the ground. Um, you know, and whether that's 12 hours on the company and, um, you know, as a side hustle and, and keeping your normal job, like, like I did, um, 
no, nothing's guaranteed. Yep. All right. Next assumption. Entrepreneurs are only motivated by money. Uh, these are all going to be false then. I'm just going to, I'm going to stay on the pattern. It, yeah, that's uh, a, a false. And we're not in this for the money. I mean, we're, we're inspired and we're passionate about, about what we do. And, and everybody has a, you know, a different reason. Um, but, you know, what's most important is you figure out what that reason is and, and you latch onto it. And that's what like money. Yeah, no, it's, it's not about the money. Good to know. All right. Final assumption. There's a secret to success. A secret to success. There's a lot of books that say there's a secret. The, the secret is it's hustle. Um, the, the secret is it's, it's execution. It's, it's belief against all odds that you can accomplish what, what you set your mind to. So I don't know if that's true or false, but, but that's, uh, that's my belief. Thank you for shedding light on some of the secrets. So for anyone listening, definitely just hustle hard and believe in yourself. So Ryan, that was like a fun little way to see how you think based on your own experiences as an entrepreneur. So let's talk a little bit more about your career path leading up to starting your own business. So what did you do before Hunt a Killer? Um, so I, I've been in the Navy now for 18 years and the, the first 15 years were active duty. I separated and, and, um, and joined the reserves about three years ago now. So, you know, you want to talk about, about crazy, you know, five years before a guaranteed retirement check, um, separating from active service was a, a big leap of faith into, into something that, that I strongly believe in. Um, but, you know, my journey certainly started a lot earlier, uh, you know, third grade Hawking creepy crawlers for, for 10 cents, um, you know, until Miss Price shut that, shut that business down, you know, it went from there to uh, mowing lawns to, to uh, shoveling driveways in the wintertime. You know, I, I grew up in, in Maryland. Um, and so we had all, all the seasons and we had all of that opportunity, um, you know, to parking cars, to, to selling shirts. And so, you know, there, there's very much been always a kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, um, and now it's just about, you know, starting to find our stride into things that actually scale. And that's, that's really what the early days were is, you know, you, you put in a, a certain amount of effort and, and you get a certain amount of, of compensation for that effort. Um, but the whole idea is like, how do you scale this? And so for me, it's, it's always been a, a, a transition um, or a growth opportunity of like, what's the next thing? What's the next business? And that happens inside of the business as well. Um, when we launched Hunt to Killer, Hunt to Killer was a live event. Um, and what we realized very quickly, quickly relative over a year is that the event did not scale. And so, you know, we, we threw the event, we made 60,000 bucks, take out all your expenses. We had 10,000 left over. And my partner and I are looking at each other and we're saying 12 months of work, five grand, like this isn't going to pay the bills. Um, and so we had to, we had to figure out a, a business model that scaled. So we took the product market fit that we already had. Um, and we took that and we backed it into a, a different business model. Um, but essentially the same thing, immersive storytelling and building, building communities around, uh, around that platform. So, um, that's a long winded answer, but that's, that's been the, uh, it's been the journey so far. So did you always know, like, even when you were in the Navy that I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to change it up, or is this something that just randomly hit you one day that I want to do this like live, like, you know, transform this and do like a live action <laughs> crime scene yeah. situation. Yeah. So it, it was, it, it was always two things growing up. And the, the first thing was uh, being an entrepreneur. The second thing was uh, flying jets and, you know, certainly a, a product of, of Top Gun growing up. 
Um, and those were kind of the two dreams. And so joined the Navy, uh, but was still very entrepreneurial inside of the Navy. You know, it started with selling shirts. Um, I started another company while I was in the Navy. I started this company while I was in the Navy. And so there's been like a, a, a string of probably seven to 10 companies that have been started while I was in the Navy. Um, you know, but the, the whole idea of the Navy was, was to fly jets, um, got pretty close. Uh, you know, my career started off as a, as a Naval Air Crewman. So I was in the back of, of MH-53 Echo helicopters. Um, I wound up getting picked up for a pilot program. Um, 2013 was a rough year, lots of things falling apart. Um, so missed that like barely, um, but you know, was able to get a, a company off the ground and, and uh, you know, really start to do some good. Awesome. So let's talk before Hunt a Killer. You had you, so you and your childhood friend had put on a live event and it was like a 200 acre campground that you transformed into like a live crime scene or like lifelike crime scene, not actually a live crime scene. Um, and it was a mystery that you had to solve. So where did you get that idea from? Yeah. So that idea um, really came from failure. Uh, my partner and I, uh, the other co-founder, Derek Smith in, uh, in Hunt a Killer, was also the co-founder of a company called Run Fear Lives. And Run Fear Lives uh, back in 2010 was the first ever zombie-infested five-kilometer obstacle course race. Um, and so we launched it in year one, one event. We did 720,000. We put 10,000 people through a course, and it was just one weekend. We're like, holy crap, we've got something here. We went from one event to 13 events, 13 events to 30... 32 events, but we didn't even get through 32 before we ran out of money. And, you know, we took a, we took a break, uh, a, a probably like a four year gap, three year, we took three years off. So a, everything went down 2013 and, and we were able to, to launch this in 2016. Um, and we used the same sort of techniques or, or strategies that we had for run for your lives, which is first identifying what types of experiences are people gravitating towards? And thinking back to 2016, it was really about um, escape rooms uh, coming over from Europe and Asia, interactive theater like the off-Broadway Sleep No More, um, and, and obstacle races were still kind of uh, around. And so we said, well, we already have these relationships in the industry and we already know the perfect venue that we can take this to. Like, let's take that and create those three things, combine them and create one day event. Um, and then the same thing with Run For Your Lives, like looking at genres that are, that are up and coming and you can kind of see the wave cresting. 2016 was also the year where uh, these podcasts coming up everywhere and they're all true crime and they are just bringing people out of, um, you know, the, the shadows or, or wherever they were like doing their own investigations and creating these amazing micro communities of people that were interested in the same thing. And so we just, we tapped right into that and, um, and we launched the event. So then after the event, how did you and why did you choose to transition to a new format, which is Hunt a Killer, how we know it yeah. today? So, and you know, what's interesting is, is at its core, Hunt a Killer is not a subscription box company. Hunt a Killer is not a, a live event company. Hunt a Killer, you know, we're, we were fortunate enough to get picked up by Target. So we've got retail experiences. Um, we have premium experiences, but Hunt a Killer is not a retail game company. Um, Hunt a Killer is an immersive storytelling company. And that's really our core differentiator. So, you know, why do we believe we can compete on the shelves of Target? Because we're not Monopoly. We're not giving you a board and you're playing the same thing over and over again. We are telling an immersive story and making you a part of that story by becoming a character or protagonist inside of it. And that's that's really what why we we stand apart from competition. You know, the, the decision to, to go from a live event into 
um, uh, into the subscription box business model is really all about like what business models out there could actually scale this company. It was obvious that, you know, looking back to run for lives, we were able to um, uh, come in a, a week ahead to a venue, put up all of our obstacles, put 10, 15, 20,000 people through a course in any given weekend, um, and then we're gone. Uh, Hunt a Killer was very different. Uh, Hunt a Killer, like, you know, it took 12 months to develop the game design, and we used the features, the, the pond, the woods, the cabins as a part of that. So, like, we couldn't just take this concept and, and overlay it on another venue. Um, the amount of people we were capped at, you know, if we, we had 600 people show up, if we would have had a thousand people or 5,000 people, like you're no longer in this immersive experience. You just have a whole bunch of people you're, you're, you know, bumping elbows with. Um, so we knew that we needed some sort of business model that scaled. We looked, you know, we looked at a couple different, um, 2016 was really, you know, another, another, well, maybe 15, 14, um, the year of the subscription boxes and figuring out reoccurring revenue and things like that. And so for us, it just made sense. Um, you know, what is our, our whole thing is like, you can see and you can feel, you can smell, you know, you can do all of these, you can use all of your senses for our experience. And so it made sense that we would deliver a physical package. And then, you know, what better way than make it a membership and just automate the deliveries of this amazing experience. So walk us through how Hunt a Killer works. So if I purchase the game, how does it work? How does that subscription model work as well? Yeah, so um, Hunt a Killer is, uh, is a, an episodic delivery. So each, uh, each Hunt a Killer season has six episodes. And by default, you receive one episode each month. Everybody starts at the same point. Now, we've, we've moved that starting point over the years just to make sure that, that people are having the best experience that, that we have put out because we've made you know, thousands of, of improvements to how we started this. Um, and so, but everybody starts at, at the same point and there's three different plans. You either pay month to month and that's 30, uh, $30 plus three ninety five shipping. Um, you can prepay for a full season, which is one sixty five, So about 27 50 free shipping. Um, and then, uh, we've got a 12 month or two season plan, which is 300 bucks or $25 free shipping. Um, but what's a, a, another cool thing about the Hunt Killer product is that you have the ability to expedite your next episode. So let's say you get your episode today um, and you make a, a friend's uh, murder mystery night out of it this weekend. And of course, you're addicted to it as soon as you get it. Um, you can smash a button uh, on, on Sunday night and have your next box by the following weekend. And that's, that's not only for that product, but that's also for we just launched Blair Witch. Um, this week. So we've got a brand new Hunt a Killer horror subscription product that we, that we launched in partnership with Lionsgate um, that we are thrilled about. Um, and that also has that, that accelerator expedite my next episode. So then how does the game work? So do I need to get each box and each episode in order to solve the mystery? Is that what it is? Yeah, for our subscription products, yes. And there is a there are clearly defined objectives for each episode. So for instance, like it might be eliminate, eliminate a suspect, discover the weapon, um, try and figure out means motive, um, and, and you know, review some police reports and understand all the characters. Maybe that's your objective for that sing, single box. And then the next one might be, you know, eliminate a suspect, um, figure out how the, the murder took place or you know, where it took place whatever the case is. But basically it's a, it's a series of, of clues and items and correspondence that gets delivered to you. Um, and through this, you can, you, can, um, you can start to eliminate suspects to get to who the actual killer was. And by the season finale, that's where everything comes together. 
Awesome. So why, so why were you really compelled to build this business? Like not just like the subscription model, but why do the mysteries? Um, so why really build Haunt a Killer? Cause you could have just been like, okay, the podcasts are great. That's cool. People can go listen to it, but why make something that's become so addictive? So what was your reasoning behind that? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's all about like, listen, business is all about what, what are your goals? What are your, what are your life goals? And, and I am, I am inspired by the work that we do and, and, very much so um, this year, um, you know, being able to to provide these types of experiences to the to the the comfort of people's homes is just a, amazing and it's exhilarating and it, it's you know it's why we all everybody on the team it's why we get up each morning uh, and, and come and 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 crank through our work it's because we we believe that that we have a purpose um, in what we're doing and so when when you have that type of of feeling. Like you just want to, you want to scale it. Like, you know, we want to bring this experience to as many people as we can. And so that, that really has always been, um, you know, the reason is it's, we're always trying to figure out a way to scale the platform, um, you know, to bring this type of immersive entertainment to as many people as this, uh, as one. So we talked about, you know, true crime podcasts, all of that becoming popular back when you started Hunt a Killer. So do you have any personal life experiences that also attributed you to build this business? So were you personally really into watching like mystery shows or solving crimes on your own? So why, what was your personal reason for like the whole mystery angle? Yeah, it's, um, you know, this is usually people are like, oh, fake. Yeah, because like, I, I don't like, and that's the, the God's honest truth is like, I, I, I didn't watch uh, murder mysteries. I didn't listen to the podcast. Like, you know, that's, that's never been the, the purpose. We always look for, you know, how can we, how can we do good in, uh, in this world? And this is just a, a concept that happened to, to pick up. Now, if we're talking about inspiration for the experiences or, or for the, the distortion of reality, you know, Derek and I, we've really been kind of on the same journey since Run For Your Lives, which is, you know, our whole goal is to immerse you so much into an experience that you don't know where fiction stops and reality starts. And we've been able to accomplish that through building fake websites and fake programs that you would go to and you'd be like, is this, is this real? You know, even like maybe a city township and we build the entire website of that we drop a link and while you're going through the story, you're like, oh, I want to Google that. You Google that and you don't know that it just took you to our site. And now you're just like, your mind is blown. And a, a part of that, um, as, a, as a part of being a Naval Air Crewman, you've got to go through this, this uh, program called SEER School, Survival, Evasion, Resistance and Escape. And it's all about, um, it's all about the military's way of distorting reality where you become a prisoner of war. Um, and there are some very interesting things that happen, but what they do amazing and better than anybody is like, they break you down and um, you do not know what is real anymore. And so like we use that type of inspiration with Run For Your Lives, where the whole objective was for a split second to make you think that you were actually in a zombie apocalypse. And if we could do that, then like checking the block, everybody's having a good time um, and, and we've all achieved our goals. And we've just carried that through Hunt to Killer, you know, and, and the, the careful attention to detail is why we are so different. You know, are there, are there copycats out there? Yes, but there's nobody doing it as good as we are. And it's because like we care and, and we understand that the secret sauce is authenticity. And so we spend a lot of time making this thing authentic.
Yeah. And so, and that's so important is to just be authentic and to really speak to your audience. Um, so that's awesome. So how did you come up with the name for Hunt a Killer? And does that mean that each episode or each mystery involves a killer specifically? Yes. Yes. And I, I think they used to involve sometimes even more than one killer, but I think, I think we're down to where it's just one killer for each season. Um, I might be wrong on that actually. But how did we come up with the name? I think, you know, where we saw success with, with Run For Your Lives and certainly where we saw success with Hunt a Killer is coming up with a name that is, is in your face. It's like explanatory, but it's also intriguing at the same time, right? So like Run For Your Lives, immediately you're like, I just want to go see what that is. Hunt a Killer, people are like, I just want to see what this is all about. Um, and there's also, so with any product launch, there's a certain educational period um, that you have through your marketing and advertising. And the more crazy the concept or the more innovative the concept, uh, the more education has to happen. So like when we say like, hey, this is a subscription box. Okay, what do you ship? Well, we ship you paper. Well, paper, what? Yeah, they're clues. Are there clues? Like we have to go step by step and break this down because time and you know attention spans are very short, especially on advertising. And we need to make you understand what Hunt a Killer is in less than seven seconds. Um, and the name Hunt a Killer actually allows us to achieve that um, most efficiently. But, you know, really it's just just coming up with a hundred names and, and sitting down with your co-founder and, uh, and just picking out the ones you like the best. I think y'all made a great choice because it's definitely so captivating and it really makes you curious about what that is. So I think great choice with the name. So what tools or resources have been helpful for you to scale your business? So is there something, was it books or certain people that you turned to or what really helped you scale Hunt a Killer? Yeah. Um, and that, that's an interesting one because, you know, there's, there's different things that have allowed us to scale in like, you know, there's platforms there's software, there's advertising channels, there are people, there are um, advisors, there are, I mean, hmm. I, I would say like in the early days, the, the biggest, the biggest contribution to being able to get this off of the ground was building the community um, and using the platforms like Facebook and podcasts to, to advertise, to really scale that message and tap into the niche audiences. Once you start to, to understand that you have scale, like attention needs to immediately focus into, you know, what is the work and how do we, how do we split up all of this work and how do we find the best people in the world to do this work? You know, I, I am not a creative, I'm not a writer, I'm not a graphic designer, game designer, um, but we have the best in the world that are working at, at Hunt a Killer. Um, I couldn't do it to save my life, um, but we have incredible talented folks um, who are, are taking care of that. So. Um, you know, that, that's a tough one, you know, from a platform standpoint, you know, obviously Facebook and being able to test that stuff and getting, getting chief stuff through the door. Um, you know, today it's all about, it's all about mentors, advisors, staying plugged into, uh, the industry in general or multiple industries. Um, and just having great supportive people that are ready to take the ride with you. Yeah. And you've got some, incredible people, a part of your team. And I think part of that also, and a really big contribution is the game props. So we've heard a lot about these game props that you have, and they're known to be very realistic and match the era of the game. So it's got anything from like forensic reports to newspaper click clipping. So there's like all different kinds of things in there. So 
who makes these and how do they do the research and make it really authentic? Yeah. You know, I, I, and I'll give you a, a great story with that as well. Um, so we've got about uh, 20 um, amazing creatives and that's everything from graphic designers to writers, to editors, game designers, game testers, uh, media producers, um, uh, I mean, we just have an incredibly talented team all based out of, out of Baltimore, spread out a little bit, but, but mostly concentrated in Baltimore. Um, and everybody understands that, that authenticity and, you know, authenticity, this word is thrown out so much and it's like be an authentic brand. That is not what I mean. And we're not talking about branding at all. When I use authenticity and I'm speaking about the product, I'm trying to say like, you need to have actual items from, like you said, that era or, or real items, um, not like plastic toys to be able to establish or, or, or distort that reality. And so I'll give you a, a good example of that is, you know, there are case files that are in, um, uh, that are in, that are in the episodes. And one time I was talking to a designer and you could see like the copy marks that went down the, the front of the page. And I was like, you know, that's, that's brilliant. Like what copy machine did you use to, to, to put that stuff in there? And they were like, no, you don't understand. Like we, we developed this page from scratch, from a white, um, you know, a, a clear blank slate. And we created this entire thing from scratch. So like they graphic designed, the 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 printer streaks that were going into or the copy machine streaks that were going into um uh, these types of files so um yeah i mean it's just it's it's a team that that understands um uh how to do this great um and we spend a lot of a lot of time and focus um on the details of of what we do yeah, and you know, there's I think there's another example of that floating around the internet. So there's that example of I think it was like a woman that received letters in the mail and she thought it was actually from a serial killer because she didn't know that her grandson had signed her up for Hunt a Killer. So she actually called the police to complain. So do you have more stories like that of like things looking so real and people just being caught off guard? Anything else like that's happened yet? Yes. Yeah, we've had that happen a couple of times. Um, but that story is amazing. And there are so many reasons that it's amazing. First and foremost, uh, this is when it was just Derek, myself, and I think we had, might have had somebody helping us with operations, and we definitely had our, our first writer. And so there's four of us working for the company, and I'm active duty Navy, and I am working on customer service, marketing, and business development. And Derek's working on creating the most amazing experience and shipping it from his basement, uh, which Christmas Eve or two nights for Christmas Eve 2016, he had 1,500 boxes uh, stacked up. It was, it was amazing. Um, but it was, gosh, it was probably like March of 2017 and I'm running customer service. So I have the app and we're, we run live chat or we were running live chat at that time. So I had the app on my phone and I get this message and it says, Hey, this is Sergeant such and such from the Hartford County Sheriff's office. Um, I need to speak with someone at this company. And like, now I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. Like I'm, I'm in uniform on a base in San Diego. And the ironic part about this is Hartford County is where Derek and I grew up. So it's like, like out of all places, the county that we grew up, a sheriff is reaching out to us on our live chat platform saying they need to talk. Um, so I, I wound up calling them and, and the story is true. And it's exactly what you said, which was, um, you know, a grandson had bought this for his grandmother and it was at a retirement home. Um, and she called the police to turn it over as evidence because she, she thought it was real. Um, 
so yeah, and we've had other instances of that. Like we, we had a fire department called one time and, and I think it, it had to do with some of the other items that we used to ship in these boxes. Um, but yeah, we have, we have a lot of funny stories along those lines. Yeah, there's so many incredible ones. I think there was like another one about people driving past your co-founder Derek's home and trying to take pictures to find clues. So I just think it's so funny that people are so invested in the game and it's also just so realistic. And I think that also helps a lot. And that's also led to you all scaling very, very quickly. So you had like a whopping revenue growth of over 20,000%. So how did you handle growing so quickly and how did you keep up with demand too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got to change fast and that's something, and like, it hasn't stopped for us. Like there is no, there is no level of comfort. Like you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable constantly. You know, we are, um, it's great that we get the press and it's great that we get the attention and, um, you know, but the reality is, is like we're heads down pushing through and, and we don't come up for air very often. Um, we try and celebrate the win. So I, I, I know I have this behind me. This is going in the office when, when we finally do go back to offices and I'm not working out of my basement anymore. Um, and all of this stuff is great. So we certainly slow down and celebrate the wins, but the reality is like, we're all heads down and like things change so fast. Um, and you know, you're just, you're trying to get ahead of stuff. You're putting out fires when you're not putting out fires, you're trying to think of the other fires that, uh, that could arise. You're doing all of this while also understanding that like you need to diversify, you need new strategies, you need to be testing things. Um, you know, as a company, we kind of have a benchmark internally where, where we take two to three big swings each year. Um, and those two, three big swings are, are new strategies, new diversifications, um, anything along those lines. Um, and we certainly don't, we don't hit it out of the park each year. I, I think this year with the retail, we, we're surprised, excited, elated, we're everything. Um, and, and we're, yeah, I mean, we're super excited about that. Um, and then we've got the relationship with Lionsgate for the, the Blair Witch, um, which is also very exciting, but it doesn't always turn out like that. Like I could, I could give you six things that didn't work. Empty faces, Earthbreak, um, a podcast strategy. Um, I, I mean, we have a ton of things that, that just didn't work, but you got to take the swing. So it's chaos, like simply chaos. It's chaos. It definitely is. And speaking of things that didn't work, what were some unexpected hurdles that you faced when starting your business? Um, I would say, um, probably the better examples come from businesses that have failed because those are the biggest lessons learned that we've actually applied to this. And so, you know, looking back, like just looking back uh, eight years ago and, and it was all about talent and getting talent through the door. You know, I think, I think we always, we have this idea and we have a startup and we start to tell our friends and our friends get excited. So then they come into it. Then you got your friends of friends. And now you turn around and you're like, Holy crap, we're just a, a, a bunch of friends that, you know, have this special project going. And the reality is, is that makes things very difficult because if you're not identifying um, actual positions and actual responsibilities, um, it becomes very complicated and challenging um, when those types of decisions have to be made. And so like, you know, the biggest lesson or the two biggest lessons learned from Run For Your Lives for us is, is hire before you need to um, and hire, hire, uh, hire, hire uh, than you think you need to. And so like when you identify and you're like, okay, well, we need a, um, I, I'll give you a, a, in practice how we did it here. It's like, hey, we need a, a VP of marketing. 
and, and we needed it yesterday. Okay, great. So let's go out and find that VP. And instead of going out and just finding a VP, we went out and we found a chief marketing officer. We still hired him as a VP. I don't know why he took VP, but uh, uh, Sean is amazing. He was the chief marketing officer at classmates.com. Um, took a big risk with us. Tomorrow's his two-year anniversary. Go, Sean. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, hire, hire quick and, and hire, uh, not quick, but it, hire before you think you need to and hire higher than you think you need to. And the second is just watching cash. Um, understanding that that there are leading indicators for the business and being able to identify what those leading indicators are and constantly monitoring them and making adjustments along the way. Um, we didn't do that with, with Run For Your Lives, for sure. And, uh, and it, it cost us big in the end. So something related to Hunt a Killer, can you tell us about a time that you had a failure or maybe just something that didn't work that actually ended up being good for it in the long run? So maybe something that you were like in the moment, you really wanted it to work, but it didn't. And you're like, okay, kind of glad it didn't happen. Yep. Tons of those. Um, and I, I think the, the best example of that would be a product line called Empty Faces. And Empty Faces was our first, we launched it back in 2018, maybe 17. Um, but we launched it, this new subscription called Empty Faces and, and we learned so much. Um, we learned that uh, the customer acquisition cost was way too high for it to be profitable. Um, you know, we learned, we learned a lot. We eventually, we eventually rolled it down. Uh, but the other cool part about that is it, it's still a product that we have and we put it into a box set and we, we sell these things all day long for people that just love the experiences. So like that sort of still worked out in the end. But even more so is it taught us what not to do when we actually were ready to launch our second subscription brand. Like if it would have worked then, that actually would have been problematic because we weren't set up as an organization. We had maybe six people, seven people that, that were here at that point. Um, and so it, it probably would have been wrong timing if it did catch. Um, however, now fast forward to today, like, you know, it used to be called empty faces. We realized that we had to educate consumers and it was like launching a brand new, a brand new brand off the ground. And it was like, this doesn't make sense. Why aren't we leveraging something else? And so now when we did it, instead of just calling it something different, we called it hunt a killer. So we have hunt a killer colon horror. So our two subscriptions today are hunt a killer mystery and hunt a killer horror. And then we also realized that customer acquisition cost was too high. Is there franchises or other, other opportunities that are available where we can tap into existing audiences? Um, and that's when we went out and got the relationship or partnership with Lionsgate. Um, and that's why, you know, two years later, after that failure, one, we're selling box sets, so we're still making money off of it. Um, and two, it totally reshaped our strategy to be able to do this successful in the second attempt. That's awesome. So it definitely did end up working out for you. And something that you mentioned is you had a small team when you started. And before that, when we were talking about some unexpected hurdles, you mentioned hiring like a lot of your friends, and then you just with a big group of your friends. So your co-founder happens to be a childhood friend. So how do you know when a co-founder is the right co-founder? Yeah. So there, there's two things that, that I would look for in a co-founder. Now, now, while I have launched and, and started many businesses, um, none of them have been, like there's only two that actually got off the ground and only one of them that's still off the ground. So let's be clear about like there's, that there's been a lot of ideas and concepts and like filing LLC and a lot of things that just didn't go anywhere. And that, that's a part of this, this journey. Um, but if I had to go at and get a co-founder off the streets, um, I would use the same things that I use for Derek, which would be these two things. The first is, do you trust this person? And not like, do I trust this person with a secret? 
Um, not do I, you know, do I trust this person to watch my dog for a weekend? Like, do you trust this person with your life? Would you give this person access to your personal 401k and entire bank account um, and trust them not to do anything? I mean, like innately trust them. And um, that's the, that's the first part. And Derek and I have had like, you know, we're, we're still friends today. Um, and our relationship has always been great. Like we've gone through hell together. And the fact that he still talks to me is like a testament to hopefully trust me as well. Um, so that's the first. And then the second is a balance, right? Like the companies that I've launched with Derek have been two. Um, and both of them have actually gotten some traction. And I am a deep believer. It's because you're looking for a, a yin to your yang. You're looking for not the same experience. Like Derek isn't crazy and, and ambitious and, and wants to do business. Like Derek is the most creative person in the world. And it's like, well, I'm not. And actually I find no joy in, in writing. Um, and he loves writing and not that he loves shipping products, but, but we both did some things we didn't want to do in their early days. Um, but Derek's a product guy and, and I'm the marketing guy. And like when things just happen like that and you have that trust, uh, it's just, it's match made in heaven. <laughs> match made in heaven. That's something I've heard from a lot of people. So good to know that's the case for you all too. So as an entrepreneur, you're more than likely busy. Uh, so what does a day in your life look like? Yeah. Uh, look at my calendar for this one. I don't know. It's, it's from 8 a.m. to uh, 6 p.m. nonstop. Um, you know, and it, it's also changed. It, it has a lot to do with like, what is my area of focus? And my area of focus has changed for the company. In the early days, it was, what is customer acquisition calls? What are our marketing initiatives? What are our campaigns? How can we, um, you know, do uh, conversion rate optimization? What are improvements we can make? You know, that was, that was a big part of it. And then we hired, you know, an amazing CMO and then I was able to step back. And so I got involved with other things where, where I find most of my time today, it used to be on the customer. Now, now the, our, our amazing team is worrying about the customer. And so what I find myself doing constantly is working with my team and finding ways to improve their lives, finding ways to align the organization around initiatives and causes that are important to them. Um, and how does that happen? Like one-on-ones. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got nine one-on-ones just this week alone. And those are, you know, we, we do this every single week and, and we talk about, you know, what's going on in their lives. And, and I always have two questions that, that I go to before the end of the call. One's what's keeping up at night. Um, and that's trying to understand like what roadblocks or, or obstacles can I help alleviate. Um, and the second is, if you could change one thing about Hunt to Killer today, what would that be? Um, and that helps me, it helps give me an, an idea of like company-wide, you know, what can we be focusing on or what, what could we do to make lives um, better? So being in the Navy, that's obviously like much more strict. And then being an entrepreneur, you're kind of, you are your own boss. So how did you handle that? Especially when you're in a leadership position, how did you make that transition? Was it easy or were you like, oh my gosh, I have to boss people around. I don't know how to do this. What was that like for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, the, the best leaders are the ones that, that inspire others to, to be their best and get their, 
get the work done or, or, and it's not just work, right? Like coming in, this is what needs to get done. Let's do it. It's, it's really trying to bridge that understanding between what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, and the why for us is always about pointing back at the vision um, and pointing back at like, we are, we are bringing the world together around immersive entertainment. And, and that's really what drives us. That's what, um, uh, that's what inspires us. You know, I, I actually, I went in reverse for a while. Um, and I say that because when we were scaling Run For Your Lives, I was still active duty, but I was going to school full time because I was in that pilot program and the Navy was paying for me to go to school. And that company crashed. And then I had to go do like actual Navy stuff because I got my commission and, and transferred to a ship. And so like I went from making... Um, big decisions for a company that impacted a lot of lives to standing watch on a ship and checking ID cards and saying, yes, you can come aboard. And like, that was probably one of the hardest transitions of my life was going backwards into like a, I've got a big role that impacts a lot to I'm, I'm checking ID cards four hours a day. Um, but yeah, moving in the other direction. I mean, no, I mean, I, I think this is like, this is fun and we're all having fun. For, I mean, we're, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a great place to be. So with that being said, with all of the experiences you've had so far, would you consider yourself to be an accidental entrepreneur? So you just stumbled upon an opportunity and took it, or would you call yourself more of like somebody that made opportunities because you were looking to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, definitely making opportunities like, you know, and I, I certainly back to your, your true false questions. Like I could see how someone could stumble into entrepreneurship and then, and then it like it and enjoy it and then really start to inspire them to take it to the next level. Um, but no, like I, I've always have had the, like, I know where I want to be. I know where I'm going and, and business is a vehicle to get, to get us there. Um, and it just so happens that like the business vehicle being hunt a killer is just, it's amazing. Like it's a fun product. It's a fun company. Um, and so it's cool to have a lot of fun while you're, while you're on this journey. And so with that being said, what's been a moment for you so far in the business with Hunter Killer that's been like a, this is all worth it kind of moment? So we, uh, we were um, just named as the sixth fastest growing company, according to Inc. Magazine, a part of the Inc. Um, Inc. 5000. It used to be the Inc. 500, but it's, it's now the Inc. 5000 because we all know it's just a business model. But, um, you know, we were, it, it was a moment that we were very proud of as a company. It's something that's been a lifelong dream for me. But even more so was the celebration of that. And like the, it, we're, we're in COVID um, or, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. We've got political turmoil. We've got um, racial injustice. We have all these things that are happening all at one time. And like trying to find a moment to break ourselves free um, and celebrate is, is very difficult. And we can't do it in person. And so we wound up giving out, um, we wound up giving out some bonuses um, and, the feedback on that, like, it was just amazing. And so like watching the team, you know, we couldn't get together and that sucked. Um, we did have some cooking days. We also had this amazing uh, community service event where we all came together um, and, and helped put together uh, therapy art for um, people that are reentering back into society uh, uh, post incarceration. And so like, all of this stuff over the past week has just been super inspiring. And so like, 
this is this is cool sure like you know it's just uh it's like a hey look at us we're we're the sixth fastest growing company but like you know watching reactions to to the different things that that allows us to do has just been incredibly fulfilling so then versus now so when you started your journey what did you envision to be like and today is it at all like what you thought it was going to be the feeling is um like you know, I, I don't know anybody that, that could figure out what the journey is going to be. Like you always think, you know, and then the next day everything changes. Um, it's a roller coaster. And like the only thing that is promised in entrepreneurship is that like you're going to have the highest of highs and lowest of lows. And like you need to figure out a way to deal with that. Um, you know, you need to figure out a, a, a way to relieve that type of that type of stress and um, and figure out how to unplug. And it doesn't happen very often. And sometimes you can unplug. Because let's be honest, like, you know, if you're, if the company's running out of cash, you got to raise money or, or any of these laundry list of things that could take the company out, like there, there is no time to unplug. And so now you just have to figure out how to process and deal with that type of stress um, and continue operating at, at, you know, your, your maximum uh, capacity. So what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received that's really helped you in your journey? Um, I, there's been quite a few, I mean, like early in my journey, it probably would have been just start, like you just do it. Like you take, it's, it's one step at a time. Right. And like, I have found back to your point in earlier where you talked about, like, is it just about an idea? Um, ideas are a dime a dozen. Like, and I promise you there's a business or something that you're working on right now where like someone already thought of that. You may have like paper on your windows and like you're, you're in top secret mode and you're not telling anybody about it. But the reality is, is that, um, someone had that idea. Uh, what really matters is, is the, the execution, um, the execution of that idea. So looking back, what do you wish you knew when you started off your entrepreneurial journey? Probably be yourself. And I, I think the military kind of, it kind of instilled this into me and, and not in the, not, not necessarily in a positive way of like a clear differentiator between officers and enlisted. Um, and I'm an officer today, um, but my my experience as an enlisted service member, like, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know. They're just on the other side. And so, like, I carried a lot of that through me with entrepreneurship. And really what that means is you're, you're kind of being fake. You know, you're you're trying to be something or put off a persona that you're not. And, like, you know, I remember in my first business, I would I would dress up in slacks and uh, nice shoes, nice shoes. I mean, they were still pay less shoes, but I just mean like dress shoes, um, and, uh, a button down shirt tucked in. And like, that's not me like that. What, that's not the culture of the organization. That's not me personally. Um, and so, but just trying to put off like that, that type of persona, like probably just be yourself. And like, that's all that's by the way, that's like all anybody else wants is like, they want the truth. They want to, they want a connection, a real genuine connection. Um, and they want to do cool stuff. Yeah. And that's so important is to just be yourself. And that really aligns with what you were talking about earlier about being authentic. So all of that stuff has made a lot of sense. And I think we've learned so much about Hunt a Killer and also your journey so far. But before we let you go, we're going to do another little game. So it's a quick take. Uh So I have some questions for you and I just want you to answer them like rapidly. First kind of thought that comes to mind. Sure. So the first one is what gets you out of bed every morning? Uh, bringing people together around immersive entertainment. Beautiful. What is your hustle anthem? So a song that you just love to jam out to. 
Um, oh man, it's the uh, it's the light song by Kanye West, but I can't. I I don't even know what it's called, but I, I'm sure I'm sure we can post it. But that yep. that usually gets me pumped. Yep, definitely we can post it, and I think everyone's gonna know what song you're talking about. So if you had, or if you had to delete all but three apps off of your phone, which three apps would you keep? Uh, phone, text, and email. Phone, text, and email. So all productivity apps. What is a quote you live by? Fail fast. Very important, especially as an entrepreneur. So if you had the most expansive network in the world, meaning access to literally anyone, or you could have unlimited funding, which one would you choose and why? But you, cause you can only choose one. Uh, access, cause access can get you the funding. Like you, you build like access, you put Elon Musk on your team and like anybody's gonna throw money at you. So like with one comes the other, which I, on the other side, the other probably doesn't apply. Like you could have all the money in the world, but like if you don't have access to the, the network, yeah, I, I would take the network. Yep. So with that being said, if you could add one person to your network today, who would it be and why? I've, I've been on Elon Musk kick, so I'm just going to go. I'm going to stick with that answer. Uh, I, I just, I, I think what, you know, love him or hate him, like he's got this PR thing down and, and you, everyone wants to talk about customer acquisition costs and advertising, like th all of their advertising is into PR. And I think that's, that's how you build a, a sustainable company. Yep. He's a popular answer. So final question for you. What advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, start faster. Start faster. Awesome. It was such a pleasure having you on. I think we've learned so much about you and your journey, which is super cool going from being in the Navy to starting one of the fastest growing companies out there. And Hunt a Killer has been so awesome to learn about too. So thank you so much for coming on as a guest. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can learn more about our guests through the details in this episode's description. For more content and the latest on all things BizBanter, follow us on Instagram at BizBanter or visit BizBanter.com. See you next time.